Welcome to Flip the Switch on Life podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Marie. I'm an embodiment life coach here to help you live an empowered and soulful life. I guide women towards self-healing to take back their power so that they can start living life by their own rules and embrace their true authenticity. This podcast is your go-to where I will be giving you all the tools and resources to start the process of self-healing, doing the deep inner work, and developing your spiritual wellness. There is so much power in embodying your true self, but we often allow fear and comfortability control our lives, keep us playing small, and settling for less than we deserve. By learning to rewire your subconscious, you will discover your truest and your highest self. You will learn how to take back control and flip the switch on your life. So thank you so much for listening. Now let's get into the episode. Welcome back to another week. Oh, this episode is probably one of my favorites I've discussed in a while, (laughs) probably because I nerd out a little bit. Um, But this episode is all around nervous system regulation, finding safety in our bodies, why we get stuck in our pain, whether that's chronic or emotional, and how to actually move through it. We talk a lot about different processes and practices both Dr. Andrea and I use with our clients and also within ourselves. and it's just a really powerful episode to help you understand more of your own neurology, understand the brain's function in like such a logical way to the point where you can start, as we hope, you can start to recognize your own patterns of fear, resistances, pain in your stories so that you can move from pain to power to pleasure to purpose. So I'm so excited to have Dr. Andrea Moore. She is a mother, wife, recovering health perfectionist. Her career path has been based on trying to fix everything wrong with her from chronic pain and post-concussive syndrome to anxiety and ADHD. She's refused to accept this as her norm though and so trying to implement what she thought was necessary to alleviate her symptoms felt exhausting, restricting, and impossible. So she's been on this 15 plus year long journey. She became a doctor of physical therapy, an orthopedic certified specialist, functional nutrition therapist, life coach, and patriarchy and perfectionist, perfectionism masher. So through the years of her education, her own self-healing, her inner work, she's worked with hundreds of women. She's learned that it is always about coming back to yourself in order to live the life of your dreams. And in the process, developed the whole self-integration method. And she now uses that to guide others who are suffering from chronic physical and emotional pain back to their bodies, living in a way that is aligned and within their truest vision of themselves. So let's, let's get right into this episode. Hello, and welcome back to another week, another episode. I have a really amazing human in front of me, and her name is Miss Andrea, and I'm so excited to have her here today. Andrea, how are you? Are you excited? <laughs> I am so excited to be here and have this conversation. When I came across your profile, I was just like, I just love your energy, and then I heard your podcast, and I was like, mm feel like we need to talk. So I'm so excited and honored to be here. Thank you for having oh, me. Thank you. Yeah. I, 
I like one of one of the biggest things I love about social media, of course, like we both run our businesses on there, but I love meeting like like minded humans where you just have an organic conversation and you're like, you're cool. I'm cool. Like, how do we collab? (laughs) Right. No, I so it's like my favorite part. And sometimes when I have days where I'm not liking social media, it's like then I come back to that and meet someone cool again. I'm like, that's just so cool. So, yeah. I know like a lot of my, a lot of my like close friends I met on social media. And so when a lot of people like, you know, take a stab at it I'm like, yeah. And it could also be something really amazing. So all to say we met on Instagram probably about a month ago or so. And just, um, Andrea's bio all around nervous system regulation, trauma stored in the body, chronic pain. I was like, yeah, uh uh-huh. She's my girl. (laughs) I was like, we, we need to connect and go deeper because, um, I'm just obsessed with everything, nervous system, polyvagal theory, um, just really helping other people understand that they're their own worst enemy in that regard. And so, um, before we even get into the episode, I'd love for you to just introduce us who you are and what are some of the things that you love to do? Oh my gosh. I know. I always like, I'm like, maybe one day I'll come up with like a good concise answer for this, <laughs> but it's still like, I'm always like, Oh God, who am I as a person? I'm still figuring it out. No. Right. Um, so- who am I like, like against like, who am I behind the labels? You know what right? I mean? It's like crap. Like who, who am I as an individual? You know, like let's, I, let's get there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I mean, if we're going to go there, I'm of the belief that everybody is constantly changing and there is no one, you know, here's who I am. And we get to Mm. change and shift and grow as life continues to present itself to us and we continue to live it and and make different choices. So I am someone who is just a firm believer in in living life, in adapting, in Mm. flexibility, in rolling with punches and growing from them and really having deep connections with people and seeing the humanity in everybody. And yeah. And so, I mean, I don't know, those are just throwing off the cuff. Cause I've never answered that question before like that. Ooh, <laughs> questions, right? I love yeah, that. It is. But as a, like, I guess maybe put on my practitioner hat or, you know, coach hat here of, I am, I began as a physical therapist back in 2011. I graduated from physical therapy school, got my doctorate and instantly was presented by the universe with all kinds of patients who had incredibly complex chronic pain. And it was not something we learned to work with in, in school. And it was something that was very much treated as, well, they're just going to have to learn to live with it. So it's really about coping and, you know, just doing your best. And there was a kind of this, like, you know, you just kind of have to deal with them. There was, there is a unfortunate reality in most physical therapy clinics. And I would say many practitioner clinics where it is, is chronic pain people, you got to deal with them. Like they are kind of this mm. cast it off. Mm. And as someone who also had chronic pain and just always felt like a little bit of an outsider, I just did not like that. And I just started to love, 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 love my chronic pain patients. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to just learn everything about them, how, and there was some selfishness in there of like, I realized that I related and I wanted to learn about myself too. And it was a win-win for everyone. So I just deep dove into the chronic pain world and I was lucky early on that I was in a residency program that really went into the neuroscience 
behind chronic pain. So very early on, I was just introduced to like how the nervous system leads to chronic pain. Mm. And which I, you know, I'm not going to go into right now, maybe later if it feels right, but we, so I learned all this, but it still felt like there's all these missing pieces. So over the years and part of that journey was I had a bad car accident myself. I had post-concussive syndrome and was out of work for six months and then was just kind of on my own invisible pain journey where I'm just being told by doctors, oh, there's nothing you can do. Just learn to live with it. And I'm just like, no, like I, I, I knew enough to be like, there, there's so much you can do. What are you talking about? Right? Like, and so really I got to put so much of what I had already been learning and and helping my patients with and getting, having so much success with my, my patients at the time in the clinic putting into practice for myself. And it's still, there were so many missing pieces that I was like, there has got to be more because now I'm just really having this deep firsthand experience and realizing this missing pieces. So again, this was over the course of years. It's like, I became a nutritional therapy practitioner and I was like, "Mm, yeah, this is great. There's gotta be more. This is Mm. not touching things. Um, Became a life coach. And I was like, really cool. Yay. Mindset stuff. Yeah. But also it, a lot of resistance in my own system. I really did not find it working very well. And I was like, there's got to be something else. And I finally came across like the somatic world and the trauma informed world and learning about how our nervous systems are impacted by generational trauma, collective trauma, by, you know, things that we've learned and that we can change and rewire ourselves from this deep subconscious level. And that was like, the most amazing thing I've ever come across of. And so now I kind of combine it all in different ways. And um, not only have I, you know, helped myself through this and obviously no longer have post-concussive syndrome, like I was told I'd have for the rest of my life. I have also helped, I, I don't even know how many women at this point and men um, move out of their chronic pain, chronic symptoms, including anxiety, depression, and all kinds of things to live a life that feels aligned. Mm. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> That is so much, but so powerful because I feel like for, you know, a lot of the work that we do in being of service to others, it's always something from our own story and our own experience. And it's really quite beautiful to hear that you had so much chronic pain yourself and took the answer of no and said, like, screw you. No, like, that's not (laughs) right. And I'm not going to sacrifice. I'm not going to just accept that. And I think a lot of people are at that stage of, just accepting. And I think it takes people like us and more people to wake up and say, no, I want more. And I think there is more out there for me. And so, you know, I talk about nervous system regulation quite often and just nervous system in general of like how we are in constant states of fight or flight and to recognize that it's, it's, it still baffles me. And I know that it happens often, but it still baffles me when I get students um, after my breathwork classes that are like, this is the first time I felt like normal because I'm in anxiety every day, all day. And I'm like, Oh, like how? Right. And it's just like, it becomes, and I feel like with chronic pain too, it becomes this like state of like normalcy of like, I was just born this way, or I've just dealt with it this way. So it's like people that are dealing with anxiety and depression, you know, and living in those constant states or fight or flight, unfortunately, they just adopt that as their normal. And it's, it's, it's really terrible to, to recognize that and to also realize like, no, that isn't normal. But I love what you're sharing about like generational, environmental and um, ancestral because it's so imperative that we look at all sides of the spectrum 
when we're looking at how our nervous system is operating because we have to look at the environment that we're in. And again, I think that we're as, as humans, and I think a lot of us are waking up and I think the pandemic had so much to do with that in 2020. So honestly, like God bless. Thank you. Um, but a lot of us are starting to wake up. And I think also seeing the people that aren't fully waking up yet into the essence of life doesn't have to be this hard and life doesn't have to be this way. And my body doesn't need to respond this way. And this actually isn't normal. And so Andrea, I'd love to ask you, what do you start to see when you work with either clients or patients, whether that is chronic pain, like physically in the body or even emotional traumatic pain, how do you start to create the awareness for them that like this isn't a normal state of being and what is normally the first step that you have people go through? Oh, I mean, this is such a great question. You just brought in so many things. And I want to say that at this point, people who are coming to me, right, have a level of awareness I don't want this to be normal yeah. or else they wouldn't be seeking it out. So there yeah. is that, like, I really think, yeah. So I, I do want to speak more to that piece just because when you have someone who's walking around in the, like what the unconscious comp, like incompetence or whatever the, like the layers of awareness are, um, it is what it is. Like, I remember I, as you were telling that story, I remember being in a therapy session once and the therapist looked at me and was like, I think you have anxiety. And I was like, me anxious. You should see me. I am so chill compared to my family. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? How could I possibly, I'm like, I like literally considered myself to be like the most chill person ever. I am not a chill person. Like, how was I at that time? Like, it was like such a, and I, I think I maybe saw her like one extra time after that, but then I like got really mad at her and I like just quit Mm -hmm. seeing her because I was like, she has no idea what she's talking about. And then it was like years later that I was like, oh, holy shit. I have a ton of anxiety. (laughs) Like, what am I talking about? She actually triggered a wound and I don't want to see her anymore because I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. But I had like no idea. And I don't feel like she handled it very well or the way she said it wasn't exactly the best way but like it's really funny looking back on it of like literally how oblivious I was to it is the point mm. so like I do think there does have to be this is something that I've had to work with a lot for myself of like I can't save people mm. I can't wake somebody up who doesn't want to be like woken up or they're not yeah. already kind of starting to see it for themselves so there is that. And I think there is a lot of like, we have to like, just be okay with where everybody is on their own journey. Mm -hmm. And so, but when somebody is coming to me and they have realized it and realize like, maybe they have no idea what it is, but they're like, I just can't live like this anymore, which is very, is often, I would say, I feel like two main groups of people I tend to see. And that would be one of them of like, I I can't keep living like this. Mm. Um, the, the funny thing about acceptance of, of, I am so, like, I do not think you have to accept the way things are or accept suffering or accept life being hard or accept certain amounts of pain and things like that. And often though, the first step is a level of acceptance of the present, Mm. which is so different because I think a lot of times the word acceptance in the, the way like that, that you used it is more of a resignation. Yeah. Right. So it's like, I do, I'm not cool with resignation, but there does have to be a level of like, and this is my truth. Yes. Right here. Because then you can't change. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah. Exactly. And I think that's, that's something too, is the, the, the sense of denial and, mm-hmm. and yes, just for, for context clarity there too, I was referring to like what you mentioned of, yeah. you know, when the doctor is saying, no, this is like your normal and it's like, no, it's not actually, but, or, and I should say, there's also that space of acknowledging what you're actually feeling. And it's like, I, like when I'm working with my clients and we're doing a lot of emotional healing, cause all the it all is emotional, emotional work and nervous system stuff and also belief systems. But it's like, you have to have that willingness to accept. And I, I've definitely like been in places where, uh, you know, in the beginning of my coaching journey, where I would just be very blunt with people and then they would like stop working with me. And I'm like, Oh, I'm like, maybe they weren't ready to hear that. So mm-hmm. now it's like that, that balance of like showing you the mirror, but you're the one that needs to be like, I am ready to see it. So yeah, it's like, so when, you know, when your patients are coming to you and, Mm -hmm. you know, you're working with somebody and they start to create the acceptance of this is where I'm at, this is my truth. Do you fight, what do you feel like is like, I'm curious because I'd love to hear from like one practitioner to another, one coach to another, like what, Mm -hmm. what have been like the most challenging things you've had to, um, work, co, co co-work with, um, with one of your clients or patients in regards to like regulating because I feel you know sometimes you know they come to us because we we can see Mm -hmm. that blind spot but it's how do you (laughs) sometimes it's kind of tricky to like really show that mirror to them oh it it really it really can be and I think so much is about slowly developing relationship with someone and getting to know and understand their nervous system and what works for them. Yeah. Because I am someone, if I could, and someone will is if someone like, will comes to me and they're kind of ready and they're, they've already done somatic work and they've already done like shadow work and deep diving, like first session, we're going deep. Like I, yeah. Like I'm all in like, I'm like, let's skip all it. Like, you're just like, let's go in and what's your body holding. Right. Like I will go into that if someone's ready, like as fat, like I don't, I don't fuck around. <laughs> like I like to go deep and like dark fast if someone can do it. And this like is you why said, I like you. <laughs> that does not work for everybody. <laughs> and when I see, when I like if I'm assuming one, right. If, if I, if someone is coming on as a client one, we've already talked, we've already determined this work is correct. There's already been a level of like trust that's being built and me being like, I see what I can help with. So I just do want to say that as well, but there are some people who really need a lot more trust to be built before we can even ever get to the somatic side of things or have their body even be willing to open up to them or with me being present. Mm. And so it can take a lot of patience because that's hard because I do want to get into that. And it's like, it's like a reminder of like, okay, how can we help the body find the safety Mm -hmm. in even being willing to heal? Mm. Because I think for so many of my clients, it is the healing itself that is being deemed as the threat by their system. Mm. So it might mean that we are going a whole lot slower in order to go fast. Because if we start to like go in and like do that deep healing work, like it will be a total rejection of their system. Yep. They'll get so triggered either, either they'll get so triggered, so overwhelmed, so thrown over capacity, or they'll just leave. Like I'll just scare them away. Probably. I don't know. Um, 
So yeah, it is. It's really like, who is this person in front of you? What is this nervous system in front of you holding? What is this person's capacity? What's the nervous system's capacity? And then also, so I have like a whole self-integration method, which I don't like go by like protocols. It's not like, oh, you know, session one, we're doing this. It's not like that, but it is something that I'm kind of constantly keeping in the back of mind. Step one is what is your desire, right? Like what's the desire for things to be different? So it's also always holding that person's goals and desires in mind um, because people want different things mm-hmm. and I can't put my agenda first. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's always holding what is what is their agenda? What is their desires? And yeah. so also getting to know those which can be tricky in the first place. So sometimes we don't even get to know people's desires for a few sessions because even saying those becomes a whole thing. Well, sometimes it's like people don't even know what they actually want because they're so stuck in their pain. And something I want to go into a little um, avenue into is you mentioned safety Mm -hmm. and getting to know somebody's nervous system and to the point where it's like feeling good can feel like a threat. And I want to say that again, feeling good can feel like a threat. So no matter if you're challenged with chronic pain or if you're challenged with um, fears and limitations and resistances towards your goals, feeling good and feeling successful can feel like a threat. And that's something I'd really love to kind of go deeper into because I think sometimes people don't under, people don't either one, they, they hear it and they don't actually absorb it. It, or two, people just have no idea. They're like, I'm just messed up. I'm just this. I'm, I'll never have this, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, you've been operating in a state of being where that has been a normal for you. So that's why, you know, I always, I always say this is that that's why a lot of abusers go back to their abuser. Yeah. It's not because they want to be abused, but it's, it's literally like your nervous system knows how to thrive in a certain amount of chaos or in a specific environment, I should say. So no matter if it's healthy or not, your, your body. And it's like, even again, that sounds so like opposite of like, what? No, I don't want that. But your unconscious mind, the 95% of your brain is like, yes, no, actually we know this feeling so well, we have found safety in it. And so um, Andrea, I'd love for you to kind of go deeper into that, or if you have any stories to share of, um, yeah, like finding safety and also this essence of like, why is it so, why is it feel so like gut-wrenching and threatful, if that's a word, I'm going to make it a word right now, to feel good. Yes. The opposite. Yeah. This is like my favorite topic because I think so often we just, so much, I think self-help stuff is written from the perspective of often, not always, but like often white men who don't have a problem stepping into feel, feeling good. Yeah. And, Cause they've never. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, like, when, yeah. Well, no, I mean, I, I yeah. think that you're, you're so right because I think that there's like yeah, it's like the patriarchal dynamic dichotomy that we live in is just so, you know, positivity this way. And there's so much like there's so much toxicity with that because you're right. I think a lot of a lot of people that have written these sort of books are in a space of like, I've always felt good. So and I don't want to say that's everyone, but from yeah. what you're sharing. Yeah, it, it's so it can be hard for women. And I think for our you know, generation as millennials right now that like are doing all this healing work. Cause like, I feel like universe, God, whoever is like, yeah, your, your parents' generation, the baby boomers, gen X has kind of screwed y'all up. 
So it's up to us. But yeah, it, it has, it can be yeah. totally challenging when you're reading things and you're like, this doesn't make yeah. sense. No one talks about safety, nervous system, and also the perceived threat of feeling good. Exactly. And, and like good on those people, you know what I mean? It's like, there's no, I, I mean, what you have to do what works for you. And I don't recommend like somebody who feeling good and stepping into your personal power feels like automatically really good. Like, don't come to me then because like, go read those books, right? Like, it's not yeah. like a right or a wrong. It's just what is right for your nervous system. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, mm-hmm. I feel like the traditional things aren't right for a lot of women's nervous systems or people, yep. or people who are struggling, right? If you have tried to read a lot of those books and it has, you know, you're, there's something in it where you're like, I, I want to believe this. Like, I want this to work for me, but it's not. Yeah. Yeah. And this is why. And like, again, it's just understanding well, I mean, that there's a gap there. Yeah. And even like, I'm thinking even to like other self-help books that I've read or like personal empowerment for like mm-hmm. entrepreneurs and things like that. You know, they always talk about all these like really powerful strategies and mindset things. But again, there's, you can only go so far in the essence of like, if you don't feel safe to receive it. And so, um, I'm, I'm not going to like point out books, but I will say one book, which Andrea, I'm sure you've read or at least heard of existential kink Mm -hmm. game changer, because she talks about this pleasure we get from Mm -hmm. being stuck in our stuff and how to actually start shifting the, the neurology of feeling good, for the good things that we want. So I don't want to go into depth of books, but yes, I agree. I think that you need to know yourself a lot more. And when you're reading a book and you're like, why isn't this working for me? It's just because there's just missing context of like the depths of what it actually takes to like shift your neurology and shift your states of being. Yeah. And like what you were talking about in terms of like, why does the, you know, abuse go back to the abuser? Often the, the way I look at it is our brain is always looking out for our survival and the brain thrives on certainty, mm-hmm. which we can never have certainty. So that's a problematic in itself, but the brain is just like a hunk of meat with electricity running through it, <laughs> right? Like it's not like it's locked in. It's a skull. Like it can't really see it. Does, it's not really aware of what's going on in the way that we, I think we think it is, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't care about your thriving. Its job is to keep you alive. Mm. And so once we can realize that it helps, because then you can be like, brain, you're being so silly. Like we're good here, right? Like you can yeah. like start to joke around with it. It's like, okay, thank you. Thank you for keeping me alive. Because in the moments that it needs to do its job, it's going to do those really well. Mm-hmm. But all of the context it knows is chaos and abuse has kept me alive because I'm not mm. dead. Oof. Right? Like, and- stepping into safety and thriving and making money or pursuing passions, having a healthy partner, having a healthy, I don't, it doesn't know that those things would keep it safe because it hasn't had that experience, right? Like it has no, it seems like ridiculous when we say it, but it's like, when you understand how the brain works and that it just is like, you know, monkey see monkey, like, nope. Okay. Like I have this, (laughs) this lived knowledge and, or this lived experience. And I don't have lived experience for that. Of course, it's going to be scared of anything, even if it's like so obviously the better choice logically, right? Logically, yeah. yeah. 
I love talking about the primitive part of the brain, the like part. Yeah, exactly. And like, that's what I think is something to continue to, you know, say in many different ways and consistently, especially, you know, with our communities on social media and the people that we work with, because I don't think you can say it enough because a lot of people don't understand that that is the true essence of it. Yeah. Because when we look at it from an outside perspective, that doesn't make sense, but it is your I love what you said because your brain is is filtering a yes and a no and what's and what's right and what's wrong from its lived experience. So if you mm-hmm. haven't had a lived experience of a healthy partner, you haven't had a lived experience of a profitable business, if you haven't had a lived experience with um, a healthy dynamic with a family member, then like that makes sense that you're not your your brain isn't going to be like oh cool that looks like a healthy partner let's go let's go hang out with him no it's going to go to what has kept you familiar and what has kept you safe even though that to me it's like it's such an oxymoron but truthfully (laughs) if you think about it any experience you've been through whether that was something like physically abusive emotionally abusive or even we can talk about um, running a business and it failing, right? And you're starting another business, right? It could be that simple. It's it's everything, yes. right? There's nothing excluded from this theory, this um, this uh, logic that's happening in the primitive state, like you're sharing. And it really comes down to when you've already had something experienced like that. Even though it's like, yeah, that wasn't safe. I didn't feel good in that. There is a sense of safety that's created of like, this feeling is familiar though. And I know how to navigate. My brain knows Mm -hmm. how to navigate that. So now that we've kind of established that, I hope that we've, no pun intended, hammered that in. (laughs) Um, What do you feel like for, for people is like that next step to start creating new patterns and behaviors? Is it, is it? you know, a writing prompt? Is it working with different parts of the brain and the body? Like, how do you start to um, help people become more aware of this and also start shifting out? Totally. I love this. So first and foremost, in order to do, I'm, I'm actually not a huge writing prompt person, but I have nothing against them. I'm just like not a huge writer myself or whatever. I, I will sometimes, but, but it's like, but it's always about what works for my clients. I have clients that love writing everything down and then I give them more stuff like that. But it's like, whether you're choosing writing prompts, somatic work, listening to guided audios, doing tapping, doing hypnosis, doing breath work, doing whatever, whatever nervous system regulation tool, what has to come first is having the nervous system safety to be with what comes up when you're doing those things. And this is where I see so much going wrong. And what, and this was my own experience is that I would try to do writing prompts or try to do, you know, a guided audio and a lot of intensity would come up in my body mm-hmm. that I wasn't used to feeling because I was used to being pretty numbed out and in a, fro- you know, in freeze. Mm-hmm. And so when that intensity would come up, especially when I'm doing like a guided audio on like, what's my wonderful future self have in store for me? And like, I would just picture myself screaming and there would be like horrible images that would come up. I would freak out mm. because it's like, this isn't supposed to happen. Something is, has gone wrong. Right. Or if I'm, you know, doing a writing prompt and a ton of grief comes up and all of a sudden I start crying, but I'm not, I don't have the safety to hold the tears, to hold yeah. the emotion because emotions were never held 
in safety when I grew up. So just having the emotional response isn't safe. Then all of those things start to jam up and it's not because something's wrong with a tool because there's so many amazing tools out there. It is because we don't have this, uh, the, the safety in our own nervous system to hold our own emotional response because the somatic work I do, the deep work I do requires a certain level of capacity to be with what comes up because there yeah. can be some intense and everyone's different. I have like the darkest, most intense things that come up. Some of my clients are like, their way, their stuff is way more chill. It's not that like extreme, right? It, it's just, what is your system holding? And mine's holding a lot. And, and so first and foremost, it is really helping people find safety in being with an entire spectrum of nervous system response. I think one of the things that has happened with the emphasis on nervous system regulation that has not been supportive is that people have started to make it mean that when they're anything but calm and happy, that something's gone wrong mm. and that they need to like, I need to immediately get regulated. And it's like, an, and all that is doing is reinforcing to the nervous system that it's unsafe to have emotions Ooh. And it's unsafe to have an emotional response. And you, if you know polyvagal theory, and I mean, I don't know, I don't know how much you've talked about it on this podcast, so we can go more into it. But it's like in order to move from deep freeze to the social connected ventral vagal state, you have to move through emotional intensity. So your yes. nervous system has to be able to hold that. And you have to know how to express that in a safe way. Cause we're not talking about having emotional intensity of like yelling at the cashier that did nothing wrong to you. We're not talking about that type of, it's like in the safety of your own healing practice, can you even hold the emotions that are coming up? So that is always the first step of being able to hold safety in any nervous system state, including freeze, including yeah. rage, including people pleasing, right? And it's like not even making ourselves wrong, but just meeting ourselves where we are in that exact nervous system state or response that we happen to be in and being like, and I'm still a human and I'm still here and I'm still safe. Mm. Ooh. I I love everything that you shared. And I think that's something. So it, it's truthfully the, it needs to be the epicenter of everything is finding the safety within yourself to be able to hold your your challenges and hold your pain because that's why we we freeze we avoid is because we can't hold the capacity of what we're feeling and and yes it, it's so true is that we need to be able to move through that intensity of that emotion i think i read somewhere that the intensity of an emotion can last for only like nine seconds like 90 seconds is what 90 seconds yeah, yeah. yeah. okay 90 uh -huh. seconds and so if we, if we can start, and again, this isn't like a practice to start doing, like, of course, like get a practitioner or, or a coach or therapist, but nonetheless, um, just more of the essence of like, it is it, like, I always say the, the only way out is through and yes. being able to move through your emotions is the other side of reclamation is the other side of desire. But before we can even get there, it is that sense of desired safety in the body to feel. And so a lot of the time, so, um, 
you know, I, I'm an, um, I'm an NLP master practitioner too, which basically is a fancy word just saying, like, I learn, I know how to like talk to the unconscious mind because we have yes. conscious mind, we have the unconscious mind and, and 5% of our conscious mind is this right now, right? Like we're consciously doing this podcast together, but unconsciously I'm spewing these words. I'm not thinking about them. They're just coming out. Mm-hmm. And so unconsciously that's where we store our pain, our trauma, our belief systems, our values, what's a yes, what's a no, what feels safe, all these things, right? And so if we cannot bypass the unconscious mind, meaning if we can't feel safe to go into those deeper rooted issues, we're going to be constantly bringing our baggage up, right? We're going to be constantly um, ignoring our issues. And so um, NLP, it's been really fascinating because we have these really powerful um, sayings and strategies and processes to help people to talk to their unconscious mm-hmm. mind. And then it's like when the baggage comes up, like, Ugh, like you feel the defense and then you, you, you say these specific processes and then it's like, Oh, I can like actually hold my baggage out here. I can actually see my stuff versus not being identified with it. Yes. And I think that the safety part is something that is also so important for me, especially if I'm doing a container with somebody going in a workshop retreat. Safety is so important because when we can allow our heart to de-armor we can start to feel safe to move through our things. And I think there's so many different ways that we can we can do that. But I also want to share like just recognizing your own processes here while you're listening to this mm-hmm. podcast of what do you do when you feel overwhelmed? What do you do when you're procrastinating? What do you do when you freeze? Or what are even just the awarenesses of what makes me tense up? What makes me freeze? Because I think, at least for me and my experiences, Andrea, I'd love to hear yours, when I feel myself procrastinate or avoid, I'm like, there's something that's not feeling safe to be in this. What is that? And I'll take time and close my eyes and I'll go, I'll do like a somatic process with my body, just really allowing myself to be in my body, do some breath work, feeling into it. And then I start to realize like, oh, it's this story I'm telling her. Oh, this pattern is coming up. And so I really encourage everyone to just start creating like a little practice you can do on your own, even if that's closing your eyes and breathing through whatever that is. Because I think for me, it starts to create, it starts to build up this trust with your unconscious mind and your body that like, it's safe to feel. And no matter if this outcome of procrastination or rage or um, freeze is happening, you can at least be like, okay, but what, what is here for me to learn? And then I think repetitive over time, you start to release that trigger in a way. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear your thoughts on, um, like trauma responses and triggers and like, are there processes that mm-hmm. can help us kind of create more, um, I don't want to say resiliency, but more of a response versus a reaction when something happens. Yes. Oh, 100%. I love what you said about just like closing your eyes and like checking in like so, so much. There's so much gold in that and that you can learn about yourself. So again, it's that willingness to turn towards Mm. and, and yeah, so I actually have very specific processes that I take people through when there are you know, tr- triggers or traumas, or, you know, even if it is like someone finding themselves procrastinating, it's like, all right, let what is happening right before that procrastination comes in? Like, let's get to know that response. And so I have um, both an aware and an evolve practice, which are, um, oh my gosh, what is it called when the first letter stands for something, right? The A, oh, the, w, acronym. the A, acronyms, thank you. <laughs> it's like, they're both acronyms for, for what's within them. And so the aware process is really about 
turning towards this response with so much compassion and curiosity and getting to know it. Mm. Because so often the instinct is like, how do I get rid of this? Mm -hmm. And really it is here to protect you in some way. And we really want to, it's like a way to speak to your subconscious to really learn what it's holding onto. Because what I find so often, especially if someone's done a lot of talk therapy or someone has like a kind of a known traumatic event, there's, they often develop a story around what their nerve, like why that pattern is there. And it's like the story that just gets re-emphasized over and over. It's like, oh, it might even be like, oh, well, I learned, you know, from my mom that it wasn't safe to cry or something, right? Mm-hmm. And often though, not always, but I would say more than often, like nine out of 10 times when we actually ask the nervous system, ask the subconscious, ask the pattern why it's there for like, maybe it's blocking someone from feeling, you know, whether it's crying or happiness or whatever it might be, it's not what you think. Mm. And so a lot of times we're making assumptions about why we do things. And so first and foremost, it's being the aware process is really guiding you into neutral curiosity Mm. and helping you set aside maybe assumptions you already have. Or if there's other, a lot of times we have lots of thoughts and feelings about patterns like procrastination, we might have a lot of resentment at our procrastination or anger at it because it's, you know, created a lot of turmoil in our lives. And so we're not really exactly happy with a pattern to begin with. So the aware process is really about how can we come and really approach this pattern with curiosity and compassion. And it guides you through that because that's not easy to do sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of layers that are blocking that, but we cannot, like the example I already always give is like, imagine if your partner, if you, if you were feeling a certain way, you were upset about something and your partner was also really upset. They're like, just tell me why you're upset, right? Like you're not going to feel free to open up and be honest Yeah. until they're really like, okay, like, all right, I'm here for you. Like, mm. let's really tell me really right. what's going on. Right. And so we, and we can't trick our bodies. Our body's not stupid. Our no. parts, right? Like our part can feel it because it's literally within us. So we, we have to help ourselves get to this place of compassionate curiosity with this part, with this pattern that is holding onto um, whatever it may be. And so from that aware process, we can then not sometimes just the aware process is enough when you when you go through it step by step it that is enough to help shift the pattern or it, like it it feels heard it feels held and it so it kind of almost just melts away or steps back or it gets its needs met and and so it quiets down other times the pattern can be a lot deeper rooted or there's there's a lot more behind it and that's when we move into the evolve process which is really about helping to update the pattern to the current circumstances mm. so often these patterns are are running off of past information we can ask sometimes we ask a part like hey how old do you even think i am and the part's like i think you're 5 And so it's like, oh, well, no wonder you think it's scary for me to step up and talk to my boss because a five-year-old shouldn't be doing that. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so it's helping this pattern in a really loving way be like, I'm actually an adult and I have all of these resources and all of this safety and helping it like see it. And so the evolve process takes you through it. Or sometimes where this part is 
from past generations. It's holding on to information that's no longer true. And especially when it comes to like women and owning a business and making money, there's a lot of those parts that are present of like, it wasn't safe for a woman to have money or to run a business or to be empowered or to speak out against certain things. Um, and so we can help get to know those parts and, and evolve them. And they are, this is like a very consensual process. I don't work with like a, where we're banishing them and getting rid of them and this like, yeah. you know. <laughs> and something I want to just like add in here, because you started using the word part. Mm-hmm. And so for context, um, I also do parts work with clients. And so basically for those listening and you're like, what are you talking about? Like what's a part? <laughs> So basically the way that I learned it, and I'm sure there's different ways to say it, but it's based on the um, theory of internal family systems. Mm -hmm. And so basically these parts are sub-personalities of our psyche. And so I like to think of them as my little children as well. And so when I'm walking through somebody, walking through a process with somebody, and this is the best way, actually, this is the best way to say it. Part of you wants this and the other part of you wants something else. Those are two different, if you can visualize this with us, they're, they're two different personalities that want one thing and want the other, right? And so when we are stuck in trauma, when we're stuck in, um, a different state of being or a flight response, I'm not flight, I'm sorry, um, a trauma response or even, you know, feeling nervous to have that hard conversation with your boss or partner, right? There is a part of your psyche that created a certain story from a past experience. So I do a little bit of parts and memory therapy, Mm -hmm. but that's different time. Um, (laughs) But regardless, yeah, they're just, I want you to think for those listening, I just want you to think that like there is a little person in your mind, little personality that is preventing you from doing the thing that you want to do. So if we can work with those little people in your Mm -hmm. psyche to help heal them and reclaim those parts of yourself to feel the way that you consciously want to feel, we're doing the rewiring process in the, in the neuro, um, neuro pathways. And so that is my definition of parts. I hope that was like not overwhelming for anybody's head, but just since Andrew has been talking a lot about parts, like we have all these like little compartments in our, in our brain Mm -hmm. that are telling us all these stories. And if we can start to hone those in more, we can start to feel um, like they don't hold over us anymore. Yes. 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 No, thank you for stepping back into that. Cause I'll sometimes just start talking about it and I forget that. It's that's okay. Not. I was like, Oh yeah, let's, <laughs> I appreciate like, it you know, for yes. me. I totally get it. Yeah. Parts work has been completely life-changing for, for it, me in general. It really is. And just to speak to parts work, it's like when so often it's like without that frame of parts work, it can just be so confusing. Cause you're like, I know I want this thing. So why am I not doing it? Right. Yep. And then we mm-hmm. beat ourselves up. This is what I did for so long. But when we learned that we just are made up of all these different parts that are kind of frozen in time at different, you know, um, things that happened or just holding different stories, exactly like Jessica so beautifully explained there, we, it's, it, it just allows us to come in so much more compassion and grace with ourselves. Like, oh, of course it's hard for me to take this step because I have this part here that is scared to take it but my adult self wants to take it. And so now it is not about being like, oh, so this part's scared. So therefore we shouldn't do it. Cause that's mm-hmm. not, <laughs> that's not a helpful approach. I am unfortunately seeing a lot of that too, of this, like, I, I don't know. Are you, you're not a parent. Are you, you don't have, no, 
Okay. So I'm a parent, I have a six-year-old and it's so similar to, so any other parents who are on here or who have little kids in their lives or anything like that, it's really a similar approach to with an actual child, right? Like if there is a monster, if they are scared that there is a monster under their bed, you don't join in on the fear with them. You're not like, oh my God, like that's terrifying. We should leave your room. Like, let's get out. Like, let's, we should, we should burn the house down. Right. Like that's it. We're moving. Like, because that only freaks them out more. Can you imagine how terrifying that would be as a child if your parent then like reacted with so much fear in response to that? And unfortunately, that's often what we unintentionally do because we're just yes. joining with the part. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love that analogy yeah. so much. I don't know why I got so excited about that, but that's yes. so valid. Like, oh, when we are moving towards a desire, when we're moving towards a good thing that we want consciously in our unconscious minds, like, no, don't, don't, you don't, it's just a story. It's just yes. a story. And yeah. so instead with that monster, let's take that further out since you're loving that analogy <laughs> is, is instead when as a parent, you can say, you can validate the fear because you can step into their shoes and be like, oh my gosh, that would be really scary. If you thought there was a monster under bed, like that sounds really scary and you get down on their level and you you like meet their fear where it is of mm. like that sounds really scary and I'm here for you and I'm here to protect you and like let's go check it out together or maybe I'm going to creep in and check it out for you first right of like yeah. let's look let's go through the room and like help them that child see that they are not not only safe in their room but they have an adult that has their back because so many of us did not have that yeah. in certain ways maybe you had it in some ways in your life maybe your parents had your back really awesome at some things but there may have been certain things where they just didn't have it because they didn't have the capacity or the skills it's not no no one can be perfect at that I'm sure my son will have all kinds of things he screwed up with right it's, but it's, so it's just recognizing that there was a child part that didn't get their needs met at that moment and just showing them that they now have someone to have their back, which allows them to feel safe and to quiet down. They no longer have to be screaming about the monster under their bed because they feel safe. And yeah, so it's, I totally just, I don't even know where I was going with any of this, but it is, it's, it's, it's so it's really about, I think the mistake I see people make with inner child in inner child work or when they learn that there are these fears that their nervous system is holding is that they join in on them and mm. they make it mean, oh, therefore I shouldn't go do those things. Mm. And that is like the biggest mistake ever because then you then what you're doing is you are putting that, we'll just use that five-year-old. You are saying that five-year-old is in charge of your life. Mm. And there literally could be nothing more terrifying. And honestly, like disrespectful for that five-year-old to now put them even more in charge of your adult life. It is like up to you to take, to step, have your adult self come in and take charge and help. Like you said, like all those little parts are like your own little children of like be the parent of them and mm -hmm. show them that they are safe. And that, that might mean be like, you know what, guys, I am still learning myself. <laughs> like, I don't know exactly what we're doing here, but like I... I'm figuring it out and just even showing them like, it's not about needing to be perfect or anything like that or getting it right. It's just being like, I'm taking the lead and I'm, I'm learning and I'm doing my best and I got y'all's back <laughs> and like, I'm here yeah. for you and you all are safe. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's such powerful work. And, 
you know, a lot of you listening right now too, you can even just start having awareness of when these triggers come up for you or when you have a goal of something and then the resistance comes up or you're wanting not to get out of your comfort zone. Those are parts of you Mm -hmm. and you can start to create awareness with them and start to ask them, okay, what is here for me? Why do I feel so afraid to do X? What is like the biggest, scariest outcome that can happen? And when you can start to just befriend it. This is also, I would like to say as well, shadow work in that regard too, because it's like the Mm -hmm. disowned parts of ourselves, the parts of ourselves that we don't want to claim. So when you can start to do your own shadow work, your own parts work in the essence of recognizing yourself and just being more aware of how you, how your nervous system starts to function. What is like your normal operation on a day-to-day? Do you get triggered when someone calls you? Do you get triggered when, you know, you have a big work meeting? Do you get triggered when, you know, you're about to go down a sales call? Whatever that is, there are opportunities for you to start looking at your patterns and start creating the awareness of what you want to start shifting. Mm-hmm. Yes. So beautifully said. Mm. Absolutely. Oof. I feel like we could continue going on and on and on. <laughs> but Andrew, do you have any like last words for anyone like from our conversation, maybe any tips or anything that they can start becoming just more cognizant of from this episode? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you really touched on is just having that awareness and like having that awareness in conjunction to what we were talking about the, in at the beginning of in conjunction with, um, like knowing your desires and what you want in life and allowing yourself to even start to dream and know that what Mm -hmm. you, if what you're experiencing right now in life is not the life you wanted for yourself or the life you, you know, thought you'd be having right now, or that you kind of want things to be different. You're being told like, well, just learn to live with it. It's like that you don't have to settle for good enough, um, that you get to want more, (laughs) you get to have more. And to do that, it is meeting yourself with all these parts, bringing in this awareness Mm -hmm. and that, and even that, what I want to say about that too, is that this healing journey is part of life that you, you don't have to heal to live life. It's like the Mm -hmm. healing is part of life. That is what leads you to keep shifting and growing. And so it's not this like, oh, now I got to go heal this part so that I can do this because that's a really dangerous uh, territory to live in. It is just being like, I get to just deepen into myself and get to know more parts of myself now that I've been brought to this new level of awareness. And like, how cool is that? It's like, you get to meet all these parts of your family. You didn't even know they were there. Mm. And that's where the freedom happens. Yes. That's where the reclamation happens. Um, Absolutely. Oh, what a beautiful, what a beautiful conversation. Um, Andrea. Okay. So where, where can we connect with you? Are you working on anything fun? Um, how can we get involved with you? Yes. Uh, the best place to hang out with me is on Instagram at Dr. Andrea Moore. Um, or you can check out my Unweaving Chronic Pain podcast uh, for other great conversations like this. And I have a pain to power program, which is all about teaching you how to do this work. If you're interested in the whole self-integration method and the aware and evolve, all of that is all within that program. And we meet weekly. So there is a ton of interaction. So you can get a lot of guided support. And it is all about 
how to take aligned action, how to create a life you love and how to live a life that isn't like radical alignment and actually using your pain, whether it is physical or emotional to create that life and how it can actually be this beautiful asset, which is why it's like pain to power. So it's all about stepping into your personal power. Oof. I love that. Yay. Everyone go connect with Andrea on social, get involved with her, shoot her a DM, all the things. And again, thank you so much for this conversation. It really just made my day. <laughs> yes, mine too. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Flip the Switch on Life. Please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you appreciate the show, please jump over to iTunes, give us some stars. If you're feeling for it, write a review. And if you want to learn more about these topics that we discussed today, check out the show notes for more information, or you can also come hang out, shoot me a DM on Instagram. Instagram is Jessica Marie Step, and I will see you guys next week.